Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint the Q, joined by Chancellor Emily Galron. Blah! Did you forget my name there? I almost called you Counselor. That's why. <gasps> I would never willingly discuss feelings. She's quite the opposite. Yeah. And then, uh, common. Door Do you want to restart, Clint? Is that is that possible? I'm just kidding. No, we're doing great. That was that was a fun moment. And whatever Corey is, he's here too. Centurion Corey. Yeah. No, I'm a Commodore. Hey, he's Commodore Corey. Um, I got some sad news, guys. Oh no! Did you die again? No, no, that's a. Did your Did your transporter duplicate die? Well, something's dying, and that would be three Star Trek series run on Netflix. Yes. Yeah, no, that's unfortunate. We're losing the original series, we're losing Voyager, and we're losing Enterprise, which is a huge bummer because I just really got into Enterprise, and I'm almost done with season one. So I will have to find them somewhere else. Wait, Worse for so us, we are about to start our season two. DS9? We have TNG and DS9 left. Apparently, the animated series used to be on Netflix, and that was canceled two years ago. So we missed that, too. So I don't know what you're going to do, Clint. Are you going to buy us all the box set DVD Blu-ray of TNG so we can keep watching it? Because I am not going to get another provider. Uh, I have sent you guys an informational uh, absorbent suppository. Um, so that uh, all, that's, that's how oral, we'll... oral suppository, right, Clint? Um, right, Clint? Yes, yeah, so it's a support. You have to stick it up your butt and then you put it in your mouth. Yes, mm. yes. Thanks for clearing that up, Emily. Um, but it'll still be uh, less painful than actually watching the episode. So, I wish you had invented this before we saw Charlie X. Oh, 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 oh. But for real, we got to find a new way to watch the show. Maybe one of us can can get. We can all pool for one service. One person can watch it and then just regale the other two about what <laughs> happened. And we'll just kind of pitch in our ideas. Season two is we try to guess how it ends. And if we win, uh, then Clint lets us have extra gruel. Season two is I read the synopsis off Wikipedia and you both just <laughs> nod silently. And then we'll politely say, thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next week. <laughs> I can see it in my imagination. I know that's sad. The, the cool thing about Star Trek is that it's on so many different platforms. That's part of the reason... We did this podcast was because you could watch it on Netflix, you could watch it on Amazon, you could see it on Hulu. I don't know. It's I don't know what's happening to it on those other programs. Probably on Paramount, but I am not going to get that. Yeah, Paramount is not a great service. It's getting better. I did have it. What my father has it, so I watch it Paramount Plus. Um and it's okay. We'll figure it out. Where there is a will, there is a way. We can buy an entire season for $35 on Amazon. That's not bad. All right. Well, let's get back into it. We are right in the middle of our season one recap. We have just finished the first season of the original series. And we have done our individual episodes. And now we're just kind of walking back and seeing how the... the the season went and kind of taking a fresh look back at each episode, 
just seeing on how we kind of feel about it uh, after we finish the season. And we're also enjoying the terrible Netflix synopses of these episodes. Oh, yeah. Very oh. much. Very much. Uh, since Emily and I both have terrible memories, but I run this show, so how we're going to do this is I'm going to say the episode name. We're going to see if Emily can remember what episode it was, and then we'll ask Corey to to sum up the episode for us. And then we'll we'll talk a little bit about each episode and, and how we feel about it. So we left off right in the middle of season one, and we are picking up with episode 16 called The Galileo 7. Emily, do you remember what this episode is about? Um, no. I remember kind of liking it. The Ga- I want to, okay, let me walk you through my thought process. The Galileo 7 sounds like it's a group of people, but it's probably a ship. So I'm going to guess this is the one where they get stranded and everybody thinks Spock is a jerk. Yes, that's exactly the episode. <laughs> you also write on both counts, it is a group of people and a ship. The Galileo is the, the shuttle they took. There were seven people who went down to the planet. Corey, hit us with that Netflix synopsis. Spock bones Scotty and the others crash land <laughs> on a planet where they're attacked by deadly giants. Spock risks their lives on a slim chance at a rescue. That's a pretty fair synopsis. I wouldn't say, though, he risked their lives because they were already dead. I guess they could have stayed alive for a little bit longer. I forgot about the part where Spock bones Scotty. Yes, <laughs> that was that. That was the real risk. If I recall, our big critique of this episode was that the humans were just annoyingly principled about everything like like they're in a survival situation and they want to bury one of their dead while these giants are out roaming the mists and like why like there's so much work that needs to be done so they were just like that the entire time and spock was the voice of reason and but they're trying to they're just like being racist assholes the whole time in hindsight i really didn't like this episode when we were talking about it the first time i've come more around to emily's way of thinking where these are people in a highly emotional situation leaving comrades behind is is not great so i'm not as harsh as i used to be but i still think they were just being childish and churlish for no reason um but looking back i would say this was a a pretty good episode that i that i enjoyed good use of the word churlish clint yeah i felt like we might have said that during the episode but I think it's also the first episode where Spock is the main character. It might be one of the first episodes where anyone but Kirk is the main character. So that that was that was experimental. It was nice. Yeah, and it was fun to see Spock, McCoy, and Scotty. Wow, you really did some mental gymnastics there to not say the holy trio phrase. <laughs> we know what Corey's next screenplay will be. Kirk Bones Spock is more natural than Spock boning scotty do we want to give this one a a refreshed rating based on our foggy memories well from like one to ten i guess we do a thumbs up i'm gonna give this a slight thumbs up Corey, uh i still don't like this one thumbs down emily uh thumbs up for no reason other than to contradict Corey. okay great perfect good good to know we're returning to form on this podcast all right the next episode is the squire of gothos 
Emily, can you remember what this episode is about? Definitely. This is when they meet the Q, who's not a Q. Um, He's not a Q. I know. All I can picture is Q from TNG, but that's not him. He is a Q. He's like this medieval guy who controls them all. And then, wait, at the end, is this? No, the TNG one is when they're like, you have to be nice to your toys or whatever. Yes, in the end of this one, his parents show up. And... His parents show up. Okay, yeah, I am remembering it right then. That's great. I thought that happened in TNG. No, love this episode. It's a great episode. Corey, hit us with that summary. When the Enterprise is captured on a planet ruled by a childish alien who is fascinated with Napoleon, Kirk offers his life for his crew's freedom. God, the, these synopsises cover so much of the episode. That's like 90% of the episode. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's not a super complex episode. Most of it is them chatting in his parlor of perversion and just kind of figuring how to get <laughs> out of that sticky situation. Perversion. What is this? Is, we called this episode the one with the Napoleon boner, which I liked. What do you think of this one, Corey? Uh, uh, well, it's by virtue of Emily, like knowing instantly which episode it was based on the title. Like it's a very memorable episode. It has a cool antagonist. I like there are only a couple of antagonists in this whole show that I thought were both entertaining and they they had like their own morality that they followed. So I like that. I mean, it it just like anything else, it'll, it'll drag in the middle. And the whole mirror thing was kind of weird, but I liked it. I thought I thought it was a fun episode. Yeah, where he he doesn't have powers himself. He has some sort of device. And one of them was located in a mirror. So when Kirk destroyed it, it disrupted his powers. I think he had a backup. So he's able to be godlike after that again. But yeah, I thought it was a really entertaining episode. Great antagonist. Lots lots of fun. How are we going to get out of this? Uh, lots of French things in it. It was a good episode. Emily, thumbs up or down? Uh, I remember being a little annoyed with the like campiness of it at the time but as Corey said it was memorable uh it was humorous I feel like I've gotten a better taste for how they do lighthearted in this series so I appreciate it quite a bit more and I will give it a thumbs up what about you Corey thumbs up yeah me too thumbs up lots of fun enjoyable villain all right next episode episode 18 it's arena that music actually doesn't show up until the first episode of season two and i know that because i looked at the imdb oh yeah i have no idea what circus music that is because i still haven't watched it yet um is this the one with the disco reptar yes the gorn mm. And my favorite rewrite of mine that I've ever given. What was that? Um, I don't remember. I just remember it was really good. Go listen oh. to our episode. <laughs> yeah, go listen Fascinating to content. Episode. <laughs> <laughs> the Gorn, they wear, they wear rompers. What was it? So in this uh, episode, oh, why am I talking about it? Corey, give us that synopsis. Aliens abduct Kirk and a Gorn, a violent lizard-like humanoid. To save their crews, Kirk and the Gorn must fight to the death, but Kirk refuses. But he does anyway, because half the episode is him fighting. 
He does it, yeah. It's it's more him just teaching first year chemistry. Okay, here's the problem with this episode. There is a perfect line, basically, in the middle of the episode, where the first part is them setting up the fight, and then the second part is literally just the fight. And the setup is so goddamn bananas. And, like, I don't know how they conjured this up in the writing room. And then the fight itself is pretty lame. Let's just say that. So I don't like this episode really at all. And we, I remember we spent a lot of time talking about why it's a seminal episode. And it's probably because it's so cheesy. But, yeah, not a fan. Yeah, it is like one of the most famous episodes. But it's also just kind of a bad, boring episode. Despite Kirk being, I guess, somewhat smart and reinventing gunpowder. It's so funny, too, when he gets the idea. Because he's thinking to himself and he goes, oh, some sort of ancient knowledge around yellow powder what is it and then spock is up in the ship and he's like yes yes kirk invent gunpowder oh very smart it must be like listening to us not remember the name or something that happens and whoever's at home is just like no you do know this ah also just one of the lamest fights in star trek it has to be the like the costume just wasn't made. I don't want to say it wasn't made very well, but it wasn't made for good fight scenes or for someone to try and fight another person in it. Go figure. Um, Emily, any other thoughts on this? Uh, I'm pro romper. That's all. I'm watching like a, these episodes silently as we're talking about them. And the sulfur uh. itself is like, it's supposed to be a vein of sulfur in the rock face, but you like they just painted the rock like with yellow strips. And I don't think that's how sulfur um, comes about. It's not like goddamn limestone or anything like that. Well, Corey, next weekend I'll put on a lizard suit and I'll chase you around the desert and we'll see if you can successfully um, cobble together a explosive device. Uh, we did that last weekend. We're doing it again, okay? <laughs> we're doing it until you cobble together an explosive device <laughs> well we're gonna do it until you don't blow up off a thumb so at least once more see this is why we have to compete for extra uh bowls of gruel you're getting a behind the scenes look at clint's management style <laughs> all right so i think we're all thumbs down for this episode oh yeah yeah all right next episode tomorrow is yesterday <laughs> Emily, I bet you can remember what this episode is. This is this is the one where they accidentally abduct someone from the past mm -hmm. and they think about murdering him and instead somehow they just send him back and it's fine. Yeah, they weirdly like teleport him into place or something. Like a lot of resolutions, this one did not make sense. But anyway, Corey, hit us with that synopsis. <laughs> A black star sends the Enterprise back in time to 1960s Earth. Before they can turn back, Kirk and the crew must destroy all evidence of their visit. That's a fair review. That is a good review. My biggest memory of this episode is it was one of the three episodes I recorded. It was the first one I recorded in my closet, which is very, very small. And I was basically just sitting on the floor with my laptop because I thought that would give me good acoustics. 
and it didn't, and it definitely cut off my supply of oxygen. Um, that that got depleted really fast. Uh, we had so much fun when Corey passed out from <laughs> lack of oxygen. I could just remember Emily and I laughing and laughing, and all the sirens in the background of of Corey's recording. Mm-hmm. Well, I had forgotten about the shenanigans of them like sneaking around trying to erase the evidence. Uh, that was good fun. This did have perennial star trek problem which was like if they just did a few little tweaks a few little rewrites it would have been perfect uh but overall i'd give it a thumbs up compared to arena which has the worst fight scene i think tomorrow is yesterday has the best fight scene where kirk just throws himself like a would we say like a dolphin into this like group of six rb dudes yeah that was great it's <laughs> With Probably like this frenetic music fights. going on. Yeah. Sulu was there too. Um, that was uh-huh. a great fight. And when Kirk was being interrogated by the army patrol, not the army patrol, the air force <laughs> this, this is your sh- This is your shitty like AMC reality TV army patrol. Army, army patrol. <laughs> but him talking to those guys and giving them like the double meaning answers was, was pretty great too. It was a good Kirk episode. Yeah, it just felt like nothing really happened. They were just kind of like ran around and did shenanigans, and then they decided to go back to the future. And we should should have called this Back to the Future. We yeah, they should have TM'd that as soon as they could. We should also point out that this was supposed to be the second parter to the Corbinite maneuver. Is that the right one? No, it was the Maraca Contagion, which I forget what that one is called now. The episode is called, not Charlie X, The Naked Time. The Naked Time, the one where they yeah. invent time travel right oh. at the very, very end. And then this was supposed to be the next one where they end up in the past and they have to find out how to get to the future, which is really not that hard, it turns out. I was thinking, like, because it's annoying that they don't follow up on the time travel thing, but, like, the implication is that it's not difficult to travel to the future, and they travel to the present. Like, they could have kept going. So that's in-universe. At any point, a starship can go hundreds thousands of years into the future and like it's no surprise that the temporal cold war became such a big thing for how accessible this technology is yeah in like the end of the second season there's like a weird crossover there's a weird crossover episode and the the show that it crossed over with has been lost to time but it just starts out and they say oh we're in the 1960s we're doing some historical research and then it keeps going on so so yeah, there's a lot of time travel, casual time travel. Yeah, I uh, that is an interesting in-universe thing that they treat time travel so casually um, because that, like they don't even discuss how cool it is that they did it, which was one of our big complaints. I will say I've name-dropped this series several times, uh, but there's this author, Connie Willis, who talks about, she has a couple books that are set in a future where they can time travel to the past but one of the rules of this universe time travel mechanism is you can't bring anything forward with you and you can't take anything back with you that would like appear anachronistic. So the, the time travel machine just won't open if they do that accidentally. And so because corporations aren't like, oh, well, we can't go in the past and like get a bunch of stuff, um, it becomes historians that travel for research. Oh, cool. And so everyone else is just sort of like, 
whatever about it because it's historians that are doing it. Yeah, but you can uh, still go back in time and like bury treasure and then dig it up later, or like oh, that's true. Like in you um, invest frequency. In yeah, right. I mean, that's like a loophole. Is like you could take some money from the 1700s and bury it and like leave a note for someone in the 1700s, like your ancestor, what to do with it, I guess. Um, but because historians are the ones who end up time traveling, you know, they have professional ethics and they don't do that. Lame. All right. Tomorrow's yesterday. I'm just going to give it, um, a thumb sideway. I thought it was was okay. Corey, what'd you think of this episode? I love it. Corey loved it. Emily, what about you? I like it. Okay, good. Good. All right. Next episode is court martial. Do you remember this one, Emily? Is this the one... Where they're like, did you push the button or not, Kirk? And did you eject someone into space? And then his attorney is like his old bang buddy, and she doesn't recuse herself. She was the prosecutor in the case. And yeah, that's essentially right. Corey, synopsize us. All right. Hey, spoiler alert. Um... After an officer is killed in a freak accident, computer records indicate Kirk is to blame. Evidence at a court-martial reveals that Kirk was framed. So there's the episode. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to talk a little bit about our naming conventions. We follow the Friends naming convention. And when we did this episode, we called it the one where Kirk doesn't commit a crime. And I like to name them by, you know, like how unique the episode is, what really identifies the episode. So to say that, it implies that Kirk commits crimes in every other episode of Star Trek, which I think holds. Yeah, yeah that's so. accurate. Yeah. I loved, it. Was this was a great episode. I liked his country-fried lawyer who didn't trust computers. He was a crazy guy and liked to read books. Uh, I don't feel like he was used as well. Um, also, the guys, I forget the guys, it's like Finney is the guy who framed Kurt. And I like Finney's daughter. She's wearing this like really crazy futuristic sailor, you know, oh, with like the daughter. Japanese... I do want to point out with the daughter. She is anywhere between 15 and 45 years old. Hard to tell. I thought it was. Yeah, Finney's wife I forgot first. about that. She does look like she's 35, but also at the same time, 12. So I guess they did a good job of casting her. Um, there yeah, is there is also a lot of great. Uh, costume fashion week in this episode mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and then i like how quickly everyone turns on on kirk as well everyone's <laughs> just looking for a reason to to hate him everyone's like yeah seems about right that he did that <laughs> um but yeah good episode uh turns out that kirk didn't kill him uh, i still don't understand the whole contrivance of they were in an ion storm and for some reason he needed to eject a pod that this guy might have been in so this is also the start of a lazy convention that um started to come about in the later season where there was problem and then in the last two minutes it was like oh i guess it wasn't a problem like kirk has to something's happening with the ship he has to go in by himself and fix all the damage that finney did before the ship like crashes into yeah, there's the planet like a bomb or and something. it's like yeah and it's like done off camera and it's like okay well i did it cool they did that with spock's blindness and 
bunch of other things. Well, this is the worst one because it's just a voiceover. At least in the other ones, it's like a line of dialogue that they say, oh, Spock, you had a second set of eyelids. That's why you're not blind now. But this one was literally Kirk just saying in a voiceover, he told me where the problem was and then I fixed it. So, I yeah. think I think this is them like not really knowing how to make the stakes feel real. Like they're like, we we need some element to give them like a ticking clock or make this feel like the stakes are high and the characters really do have to solve this issue. But they don't know how to do that in an authentic way. Because that's something we've been kind of irritated by the whole time. Is like, why do the characters care if they're doing this weird thing on this planet? Just let them be. And they're like, oh, well, if we don't stop this weird thing, the ship blows up. It's like, it would be okay if you just made it be like a moral crisis for these characters that we like. But the ship's gonna blow up, Emily. Oh, no. They gotta stop that. Not my precious ship. I think it'd be fun because this is the future and they can replicate shit really fast. If like the ship did blow up and like every episode they're just going into the escape pods and then they go back to Earth and get a new ship because they're they just they're able to mass produce them. So when the ship blows up, you're like, oh, my God, is the ship going to blow up? I like it. <laughs> but that's basically what happens in the movies. I think the ship blo- the ship blows up almost every time in every at least in TNG. Yeah, in every TNG movie, it's like, well, we got the the paint still drying. And then by the end of the episode, it's just like yeah. plunging through the atmosphere. I had a dark thought about the Star Trek universe this morning while I was brushing my teeth. Uh, <laughs> which is when I always think dark thoughts because I don't like brushing my teeth. Uh, but anyway, uh, it was that we only see people from Starfleet. We very rarely see people, humanoids even, that are not. And all the Starfleet people talk about other Starfleet people. Um, and the the ones that we do get are like Cassie Yates or Tom Paris, who kind of have this like outlaw lifestyle. And so my thought was like, what if the future that Star Trek takes place in is sort of like an Elon Musk future where only a few people are like rich and elite enough to get to Starfleet Academy and the rest of us are living like peasants out in the mud trying to get enough food. And so they just live in this, you know, this is why they can afford to replicate things endlessly and they don't really have jobs and they never talk about governments. They're only talking about this company that's like, oh, if you're rich enough to go to this school, you can become a space explorer instead of, you know, Someone now, that doesn't people. line up with Roddenberry's vision of the future, but to support that, we never see any shots outside of San Francisco. That could no. be like the last city on Earth. I I think you are right about that, but just that everyone's base level of living... What am I trying to... You're, oh, no, we go to France once. To, oh, yeah, standard to of see living, Jean-Luc Picard's brother or whatever. Robert. And he's living like oh, no, a peasant. Oh, is his, his nephew. What? Um, I thought he went, he went and, like, fought with his brother. He did fight with his brother, but his brother has a son whose name is Robert. Oh, what's... I forget. No. <laughs> what do you uh, mean, the... no? His brother. His, his brother's name is Robert. Robert. Yeah. Spelt Robert. But he's French, so it's Robert. <laughs> anyway, you were just about to say how smart and correct the... I am. <laughs> The the boy is oh, Renee. Renee. That's it. You well, I like stupid Robert. idiot. I... Let's move on to the next episode. Okay. <laughs> the next episode. Oh, court martial. I think we said thumbs a thumbs up for me. Okay. Next episode. Return of the Archons. 
Can you remember this one, Emily? Is this the one with the people that pretend to be peasants, but really they're non-corporeal beings? Nope. Oh, shit. I, w- I had a great run there. Um, All I remember is that... Wait, is this the one with the purge? Yes. Festival! Uh, festival! 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 I was just going to say, all I could remember is that this episode didn't really have to anything to do with Archons. And that's how I remembered it was the festival! <laughs> Corey, hit us with that synopsis. When the Enterprise travels to a planet where a Starfleet ship disappeared years ago, they find a tyrannical computer that rules its oppressed people. Now, that first part is what makes this a difficult episode, because you're like, okay, they're going to this planet to find the Starfleet ship. They never solve that mystery or talk about it again. So, like, everything's tied to that. No, it's not. It's just long ago, there was a dude that crash-landed on this planet and became a computer and and forced everyone to do his bidding and actually has psychic powers. Also, they, like, completely spoiled that episode so hard that if you read that, you would be like, this is the wrong synopsis or completely <laughs> ruined it. Like, Yeah, yeah exactly. I don't like the synopses for for this series it's so weird anyway i love this episode it was such a great i mean they filmed it because they had the lot and they were like how we don't have any money this week oh we'll just film on this lot but i love the festival it really didn't have anything to do with anything in the episode either they just shoehorned in that fun concept and yeah i just thought it was a fun i don't know it was like western times almost um Super fun episode. Love the way it resolved. I don't I don't like this episode, but the best part of it by far is when McCoy gets brainwashed and he's just like <laughs> placid and smiling, but he's like also fiercely def- defends Landrew. And, and he doesn't I want them to it. have any secrets. He's like, "What are we talking about?" when they try to talk without him. My my favorite part of this episode was at the end when Kirk makes the computer explode and there was the guy who helped him out and he's just like, what the fuck's going on? I just helped this guy blow up my whole way of life. And Kirk's like, well, I fixed everything. Oh, and by the Bye. way, guy, you're dressed like an idiot. Good luck with the rubble that I left behind. And then he just says, beat me up. And then, and then they're celebrating the fact that there's more domestic violence in the next scene. So... I would give this a thumbs up. It's like watching The Shining after seeing a bunch of horror movies growing up that were inspired by it. Like, you realize you're seeing something that all other things try to emulate and be and parody, and you've just seen all of those before seeing the original. Yep, thumbs up for me as well. Corey? Nah, I didn't really like this one. (laughs) All right. Next episode. I know Emily loves this episode space seed ew this is the one with khan yeah it's with khan Corey, hit us with that synopsis the enterprise encounters brutal superhumans led by khan noonian singh who battles kirk for control turning a trusted colleague against starfleet emily well i mean it's so cringeworthy it's you get what they're going for but it is just difficult it's too hard to watch this episode is the the definition of our common refrain, dames, because it is one lady who just, a Starfleet lady who just fucks everything up 
and Khan would have never gotten in control if she just could keep yeah. her pants it's on. It's very, uh, I think I said this in episode that if you're like, what is toxic masculinity? Just watch this. Every character exhibits toxic masculinity. Yeah. I do like, it was a very uneven episode. Khan is a, a pretty great villain. Um, the just whole psychosexual politics of this episode were really bad and kind of shows that how bad the 60s were in portraying women. Yeah. I mean, I guess we, the, we could infer that he is such a master manipulator that this would have happened to anybody. But I, I, I mean, she's a Starfleet officer. She has training for this stuff. It's not like he was psychically manipulating her or anything. Like she... She breaks real fast. The issue isn't that they set her up to be like this easily duped villain. Like that's a character. I think the part that's almost more upsetting is how all the other characters are just like, wow, he's quite a man. And like, oh, how cool to be like that kind of guy and live in those worlds where you can just take whatever you want. Like they all have that attitude of like, this mm. guy is so awesome. And that's like, uh, like almost harder to watch than her just being an idiot. Well, if it wasn't her being manipulated and seduced, it was going to be Spock. So it's nice that she uh, jumped on that grenade. Um, I'm going to give this episode a thumbs up just despite Emily. That sounds about right. I'm going to give it a thumbs up just despite Clint, even though I really want to give it a thumbs down. <laughs> I love this episode. I think Khan is so cool. Yeah. Thumbs up I for just me. manipulated Emily into giving it a thumbs up. <laughs> In fact, I wish That's I was okay. more like Khan. I wish I could be more assertive. I poisoned sometimes. your water. I wish I could per- pull off a turban like he does in that painting. <laughs> <laughs> but no, every time I put one on, people are like, Clint, that's racist. Yeah, she was painting him. She's like, I paint everyone I date for 48 hours. Well, at least or, 48 hours. Yeah, and or historical figures that it's my job to study via painting. And See, doesn't that seem like a weird, rich, billionaire thing to do? To, like, paint conquerors through history? I don't want to say great men, but... Yeah, and then say, like, I'm a historian. You're like, okay. Okay. All <laughs> right. Next episode, A Taste of Armageddon. Emily, can you remember this one? Uh, frankly, I forgot that I was supposed to be guessing them. Okay, uh, Taste of Armageddon. Is this the one with the double and he, we only find out because he got hit on the head? The two Lazari? Nope. (laughs) Is this the one where they're in a ship and the Romulans are, like, cutting in and out and they're... Nope. No? You're never Um, gonna get it. Alright, let me go. Arriving at a planet where his crew members are slated to die, Kirk learns they're in a virtual war in which suicide is committed to avoid (laughs) real combat. Now, I would argue that it's not suicide because they are forced to go to these booths where a button is pushed by a guard that incinerates them. Yeah. Oh, this is the one with the murder booths. Yes, the one with the disintegration booths. Uh, Is it suicide? I mean, they go willingly. Yeah. It's It's assisted suicide. It's like ritual suicide. Yeah. It's like living in Oregon. <laughs> Corey, what did you think about this episode? Uh, I I don't really remember this one. I, I that Can we just say, if like you it. don't really remember it, that I love that you said living in Oregon means that you're just slowly being killed. Not 
you're allowed to end your life if you have a terminal illness. I just love that you're like, yep, that's what happens in Oregon. Might as well be dead. <laughs> People randomly have to report to disintegration booths. Be taken away by the squirrels. It is a huge violation of the Prime Directive because these people have their culture and they've been doing their thing. They're not Federation, are they? They're just aliens? No. The Federation has been trying to get in contact with them. And they're close to like a war front or a trade route or something. And they need one of these planets to be a, a port of call. So that's why the Enterprise goes there. Have we gotten to the Prime Directive yet? No, they don't, they don't get to it yet. But, it, but they're basically like... Your culture sucks. I'm going to blow up your computer. All right, now work it out. Well, I know that they talked. There's one episode where they say the prime directive for the first time. And we saw that, but then Kirk immediately disregards it. Like they bring it up just for him to disregard it. That might be the one with the Klingons where they introduce the Klingons. This is also the one where Kirk goes, execute order 66. To blow oh, up this the is the one where he kills all the Jedi. The <laughs> I was thinking it's the one where uh, he's like, yeah, just genocide a whole planet. Yes, he does threaten planetary genocide in this episode. Oh, now we know that starships can travel in the future and they are capable of destroying entire planets. These uh, should be banned, I think. Threatening planetary genocide is almost certainly a crime. Yeah, this is the one where Kirk did I commit He a commits a crime in every episode except for Court Martial. I love this episode. I love just how, like, swaggery and dick-swingy Kirk is in this episode. Um, once again, he solves all his problems by blowing up a computer and then telling other people to figure it out, just like in Return of the Archons. So, um, for me, this is a big thumbs up. I love this episode. I think it's hilarious. I'm sensing a pattern. Mm -hmm. You thumbs up anytime it's like a prime Kirk episode where he's just being the most Kirk he can possibly be. Yeah, I just think it's always really funny. <laughs> uh, I'll give it a horizontal thumb. Horizontal thumb, Corey. Didn't like it. Corey doesn't like it. Nice. We got a, a good a good diversity of opinions on that one. But if All you right. average it out, I'm correct. From A Taste of Armageddon... To this side of paradise. Emily, can you remember this episode? Is this the one where Spock uh, feels feelings? Yes, it is. Corey, what does Netflix say about this episode? The Enterprise lands on a planet where everyone becomes very passive and affectionate towards one another. Kirk soon learns the cause. Colon, jizz plants. <laughs> colon, jizz plants? What's colon, jizz? Can we bleep that? <laughs> yeah, you really should. What do we bleep? Do we bleep colon or... No, bleep at all. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to bleep this whole episode to be safe. That's just fine. Be Whatever. Clint's mom liked it when I said something really foul. Pussy shawl. <laughs> this well, is I the... wasn't going to say it, and then you did. <laughs> That's. I was going to say, that was the last episode... <laughs> that 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 garment was in uh taste of armageddon what can i say i love fashion yeah i'm sorry Corey. keep going this is the one with the mint julep uh and this is the ultimate one of kirk why didn't you just leave those people alone <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're like we're happy this... on this planet we have no diseases we live a long time 
we're all super happy. And we then, have unlimited food. And yeah. he's like, I can't abide by we that. We just don't participate in capitalism anymore. It's just like screams in pain. That was a great time where, he, like the guy said, or the lieutenant said, he was, he said, Kirk, they're only producing enough food to feed themselves. And then Kirk <laughs> was just gasped. <laughs> this is awful. What kind of hellscape are they living in? They, um, they beam like something down to the planet to cure everybody, right? I, like radio think, waves or something? I think they like broadcast some tone to make everyone angry. I forget. Because being angry is what fixed you. Oh, they're playing Kings of Leon. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I think this has one of my favorite lines in it, though, was when the guy, the leader of the planet was talking to McCoy and he told them that they don't need doctors anymore. So he needs to pick another profession. And then McCoy says, well, you better make me a mechanic so I can fix tin pot dictators like you. And then does he punch him? Because he does get into a fist fight at some point. I think they do get into a fist fight. Yeah, I think they broadcast a sound that makes everyone really irritable and they all get mad and then they're fixed. Scream. And... Scream festival. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give this one a lukewarm thumbs up. Corey? Yeah, I don't mind this one. I just remember like what annoyed me the most was the plot armor that Kirk has, where he basically psychs himself out of the influence of the drug by looking mm. at his old medals. Like, yeah. I don't think anything external could influence you. Otherwise, everyone, like the second they stub their toe or whatever, they have a nightmare, they'd be good to go. Also, they never explain why that caused... Like, we don't know why he has strong emotions about that. He basically willed himself not to be taken over he's like must resist the communism angry the communism. <laughs> wait a second yeah so it was kind of it was definitely plot armored into that not affecting him so i have a theory i have a theory about this uh thread of rage and like rage being necessary and good that we're seeing in all these episodes because i've complained about it a lot no you're Do right you i think that's too a it's a good like foil to the theme of the show because it's about the future and everyone getting along so i think it's also about what we need to kind of hold on to as a species to to be you know successful See, my, in the future. being my being a jerk i don't know if that's that's one of them though my argument is almost the opposite i would see it as so television is a release and a fantasy in a lot of ways and so People are going to see aspirational things in some way. And so I would think in like post-World War II, everyone's like, oh, everything's so great. You know, what do you have to complain about? Um, go with the flow. At the same time, they're still feeling all this trauma and upheaval. But there's like this cultural imperative to not freak out about it and not like yell and get upset. And so seeing these people who are in these like constrained polite society breaking out and screaming and yelling being like something they want to do like think about game of thrones is all these people like running around on horseback and fighting and being really physical and it's popular with yeah it's popular with like office workers you know what i mean like we this is like a release of a release valve that we don't get and so we get to like vicariously do it yeah yeah oh i mean we we are though like in the 60s we were seeing 
lots of peace movements, lots, you know, the hippies and, and that sort of stuff. So even though all our problems aren't being solved, <clears throat> I think there is a great deal of optimism about where we're going as a species. I definitely think by now that optimism uh, has been proven wrong. But yeah. um, back then, you if you're looking forward 160 years or something like that, you you would think that we have all our problems solved. We're exploring the solar system. They probably thought we'd have a base on the moon by now. So maybe that's kind of what they're reacting to. Next episode is The Devil in the Dark. Is This is the one with Mama Meatloaf. Mama Meatloaf. Corey, Devil in the Dark. What, is, what does Netflix say about this? When a monster kills several men at a mining colony, Kirk and Spock investigate. Spock learns the odd creature is intelligent with a valid motive. It's the well Horta. Said, Netflix. I love it. Love Mama Meatloaf. Yeah. Love everything about it. It was definitely like a slow episode. Almost nothing happens in the episode, but the Mama Meatloaf makes the episode. It's so great. I know that at one point we were joking about shirts that said Mama Meatloaf, and I am not joking. <laughs> I want a shirt that has Mama Meatloaf on it. Mama Meatloaf. Mama Meatloaf. It's a caustic. Also, this is where we get Bones's, I'm not a blank, I'm a doctor. Yeah, I'm great. not a blick layer. Ah, I'm not a bricklayer. <laughs> I'm a doctor. Ah, blick rayer either. The, the this episode is like extremely predictable because they're like, what are these round things we found under the mine when we dug too deep? I don't know. They're egg shaped, but I have no idea what the hell they are. And then this Horta starts killing off people and they start they're hunting it. And they spend most of the episode just in the same like two mine backlot sets just walking around. Uh, and they spend a lot of time just trying to figure out, like collect all the clues and and understand what its motive is. But still, if I was going to show someone a short list of five episodes of Star Trek, this would probably be one of them because it's both cheesy and it has action and it's good Kirk and Spock pairing. Not a great episode, but it's a very Star Trek-y Star Trek also, episode. Also, they make peace with the creature instead of killing mm -hmm. it like the salt monster. So Kirk is showing some character growth. Also, like, you're right that the foreshadowing was really heavy handed. But we haven't gotten a lot of foreshadowing at all, so I just want to encourage them. <laughs> we'll send those vibes back 80 years so they can keep on doing a good job. Exactly. Exactly. You get it. Well, I think we all give this episode a thumbs up. Mm -hmm. so yeah, I think so. So on to the next one, Errand of Mercy. Errand of Mercy. Yeah. I feel like the mercy is ironic. Where are they going? Is this the one with Lazarus? Nope. No idea then. You'll you'll guess that one eventually. It's the one with the Klingons. They go to Organia. Ah. Hey, okay. hey, that's my job. Oh, yeah. Okay. Go for it, Corey. Kirk tries to establish an outpost on a planet inhabited by seemingly primitive Organians. When Klingons attack, Organians show their true evolution. I don't really remember this one either even though we watched this it pretty is recently. one of my favorite episodes of this this season it introduces the Cleons and core who's a great villain kirk is an absolute idiot in this episode he he 
does everything wrong <laughs> and doesn't listen to anyone. And he's like, yeah, war is good. And he's like, wait a minute. War is bad, actually. What? Oh, yeah. The one that the thing that was really annoying about this episode is the Organians are just like they're like these old bearded men in their council chambers. And they're like, we are not worried about any of this. We can take care of ourselves. Let's just do what the Klingons say. This will all resolve itself. We are in no danger. And Kirk was just so angry at them for not rising up and like starting a violent revolution. And he gets, he eats his humble pie at the end uh, because like the best scene in the episode is when he and the Klingon commander core are agreeing with each other that the war should happen. It would have been glorious. Yeah. And Kirk is indignant that they can't kill each other. And then he kind of has a little moment of clarity and thinks, wait a second. I don't like war or maybe I do. This one is more fun in hindsight. While watching it, Kirk's idiocy was a little frustrating. Yeah, but I love the Klingons in their disco pants. I do love the Klingons in their disco pants, even though they're not the Klingons as we know and love them. So I'm just mentally adding in uh, the forehead wrinkly Klingons. <laughs> yeah, he's got to really imagine it. Corey, do you have any... It turns out that the Organians are ethereal spiritual beings that have transcended the moral code of of mortals and were basically in control of everything this whole time. Yeah, and then they basically instituted a ceasefire between Klingons and humans. I love this episode. Thumbs way up. Emily? Yeah, I'll give it an up. Corey? It's fine. In the middle. Alright, next episode... The alternative factor. Emily, can you guess what episode this is? It's not the one with the flying jellyfish. No. Ah, this is the one with Lazarus. It is the one with Lazarus. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Corey, what's the what's the synopsis? Kirk meets Lazarus, who claims he's chasing his parallel self through space and time. And if Kirk doesn't help him, the entire multiverse is at risk. Thumbs down. I hate this fucking episode. <laughs> This is the worst episode of the entire series. So bad. It is horrible. Let's move on then. Can we just move on to the next one? Yeah, we'll leave this confusing mess of an episode behind. Thumbs down all around. All right, the next episode is The City on the Edge of Forever. Corey wasn't around when we reviewed this episode, but I guess uh, that gives it away. But Emily, can you remember what this episode is? You can't remember this one? No. <laughs> Corey. Oh, is... wait. This is the one where they go back in the past and Kirk's boo dies? Yes. Through the time cheerio. Yeah. The time, the time cheerio. Okay. Bones travels back to 1930s America and inadvertently destroys the future. Oh, that sounds <laughs> intriguing. To reverse the damage, Kirk and Spock also go back. And I Kirk mean, falls in love. That's accurate. What a great episode. We have time travel. Bones gets all gacked up on Cortrazine. Yeah, I saw him stab himself when he got bumped on the bridge. Good thing he wasn't holding the coffee cup. Good thing it was just an intravenous needle. Yeah. Um, that had been used on someone else. Went on a, went on a wild ride. Um, Sulu enjoys drugs in this episode, too. Um... We meet a woman who would have uh, basically lost World War II for us if we let her live. Good thing she gets hit by a car at the end of the episode. 
This is another episode where I have a great rewrite. I think we talked about that in that episode, so we don't have to get into it. Nope. But great episode. Lots of fun. I love the scene where Kirk steals laundry and he was just bragging about how easy this was going to be. And then he gets caught and cannot talk his way around a cop. And I think they just assault him. They give him the old, you know, Vulcan, Vulcan, I was going to say death touch. What is it called? The Vulcan chill out pinch. Yes. <laughs> the Vulcan chill out pinch. Wait, I have a question about this episode. So they, it looks like I'm not even really watching it now. They're just like fighting some dudes in an alley at the end or something. There's a bunch of people gathered around. Anyway, they oh, seem to have. Dead. Okay, they they seem to have fixed everything. So they're in the, the their 1930s clothes, and then there's a there's a quick screen wipe, and then they jump through the time portal, and they're wearing their Starfleet uniforms. So am I to assume that Kirk is so goddamn rigid about the regulations on the ship that he's like, all right, your backbones, but hold on, guys, let's duck into an alley and put our Starfleet uniforms back on. We don't want to. Let those people at the USS Defiant know that we've been slacking on the job. Just a small detail. I think that's I it. I think everything that happened didn't happen. Yeah, because he when oh. they go back through the time chariot, they're like he's like everything is as it was. Do you want to go on another traumatic adventure? No, thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna give this a thumbs up though. It was a great episode. Lots of fun. Thumbs up. Yeah. All right. The parts I've seen, I, I like it. All right. Last episode of this season, Operation Annihilate. Oh, this is the one with Lazarus. No, you just... No, we did that one, Emily. <laughs> we just did that one. <laughs> you fell right into my joke. Um, This is the one where Kirk eats some pie. Uh, on another planet, Kirk's brother is killed by amoeba-like aliens, <gasps> which also infect Spock. But Bones' cure has surprising side effects. That's not a great synopsis. That's like the last thing that happens. This is the episode where space boogers kill Kirk's brother and force Kirk not to talk to his nephew for the whole episode. Oh my god. Yeah, gosh. he forgets he has a Oh, nephew. right. And then Spock is blind for like one minute. Yeah. I don't know if we said when we were recording it, but there was a scene deleted where he sent his son, his nephew to be taken care of by someone else. And they actually filmed that, oh, but really? it didn't make mm -hmm. it in the final cut. Cold. Did he send him to go live with Klingons in exchange for a Klingon going to live on Earth? And then that Klingon grows up to become Worf? I was going to say he just sends him to live with Worf's parents. <laughs> Worf is such a big, delightful stick in the mud. Oh, Correct I thought you were going to say bad father, which he is. <laughs> that too. This sounds like a, like an ABC sitcom of the the, clean, the human male that goes and lives on, what's the Klingon capital planet Kronos. called? On Kronos. And just adjusts to the wacky lives of those Klingons. Show me that smile again. <laughs> Drink the blood of your enemies with me. Uh, let's get Clarky Hollywood back here. We gotta, we gotta pitch this. <laughs> this is a winner. But not this episode. This episode was boring and dumb. <clears throat> and it's another one where, I don't know, like they have a problem and then it's like fixed in the last second. Where they blinded Spock. They didn't think he was ever going to get his eyes back. 
And then it turns out he has a second set of eyelids, which saved his vision, which didn't make any sense. But whatever. Also, something that's annoying about this episode is Kirk is the one that figures out how you stop these things. It's light. And he like, he's, because the entire episode is him yelling at McCoy and Spock, like, you guys need to figure this out. Figure it out. Like, he slams his hand on the desk. And then they can't, these scientist nerds, these boffins can't figure it out. And it's, it's the farm boy that, that gets it. But that shit never happens in TNG. Like, like, Geordi and Data get all of the space they need to be the ones that, like, think of the next solution. Because they're the scientists and that's their job. But Kirk is just the greatest goddamn human it's being frustrating. of all time. I will say in uh, DS9, um, Cisco is, is sort of like Picard. But uh, in Voyager, Janeway does solve things, but I think they they do a good job of making it clear that she is really a science nerd who somehow became a leadership that she would actually be happier in science. Like I yeah, think she's that like that's actually Angela Merkel. Yeah, I think that's actually like an, a really good character development. There's all this tension between like leader and going to like explore things. But you're right. Whenever they try to make Kirk be the smartest one, it's, it's a little weird. He just yeah. comes off as angry. Yeah, this was a this was kind of a lame episode, but it was a terrible one to end the season on. Mm. With the alternative factor with Lazarus and Operation Annihilate, like it was not a great. Um, Should have end ended it on the city on the edge of forever. Yeah, that would have been twenty nine. You know what we could end this on? My recommendation what? that everybody go look at pictures of cats on tiny couches. All right. Well, uh, I think the only thing to do is is to wrap it up. It's to talk about the season as a whole, which I thought was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I mean, it's the 60s. It's campy and it's dumb. But all that aside, I thought it was um, a good first season. Lots of fun um, episodes. <clears throat> Just a great I don't know. I mean, this is start the original series kind of it seems like it's set up a lot of tropes a lot of different ideas in the science fiction genre. I did a great job, um, especially for it kind of being in the 60s and and being out there. I thought it was a great first season. You've got our our tagline for season two. It's the 60s. It's campy. It's terrible. There we go. It reminds me of that line from Futurama where, where Fry's like, oh, you know, the original series... 79 episodes, about 30 good ones. And I, I'd never seen the show when I was watching Futurama, but like, holy shit, that is so true. There are some really good episodes and then there's some really bad episodes, but most of them, just like going through this list and seeing how many I actually liked, it's probably, probably about 30%. Futurama predicts the future. Or, or the past. <laughs> well, they predicted predict Corey's the future. Yeah. Who could have seen, who could have seen that come to pass (laughs) that this show is okay. All right. Well, do you want to sign us off, Emily? Uh, yep. Let's see if I can remember it. Uh, goodbye forever. No, no, (laughs) there'll be two of me next time. (laughs) What if we started doing good night and I love you not to each other, but just to the audience. (laughs) I like that you clarify. You're like, not to each other. Totally not to each other. All right. Well, good night, everyone, and we love you. Until we see you again, keep on trekking. 
down, 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 down. Not so fast. <gasps> Chief Inspector Giuseppe Antipasto, what are you doing here? After reviewing these Federation logs, I have identified several OSHA violations Kirk and Enterprise crew have committed. Since you're podcasting these episodes, I have to quiz you on these violations to educate people on Starship safety procedures. Okay. No. Wait, hold on. I don't know who... What's your name again? I am Chief Inspector Giuseppe Antipasto. What race are you? Italian. It's like space Italian, right? Like, you come from space Venice? We all come from space. I mean, he's got a point. It's a philosophical one. How could you not be from space? Okay, I'll, I'll concede that point. I guess it just goes to show you can never outsmart OSHA. Or Italians. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, and you're OSHA and Italian. We're doubly outsmarted. All right, guys. Well, I guess we'll have to resign ourselves and play these damn Federation bureaucratic games. Listen, I'm just following the letter of the law here. Yeah, don't give him a hard time, guys. What do you got for us, Giuseppe? Okay, I'm going to give you an episode title, and you have to guess what the workplace health and safety procedure is that's being violated. Oh, geez, only one per episode? we got to at least see four or five. Well, I found one in my viewing. <laughs> Precisely one. I'm a very thorough inspector. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. All right. So I'm going to start with the menagerie part two. Oh, that's the one where um, the Captain Pike is in a wheelchair. So he, was it he something He goes to about... live on the planet uh, in a fictionalized life. Was it a ADA, not accessible wheelchair, like no ramp to something? Maybe it was shooting high energy projectiles at illusions. So you, you don't know what you're shooting at. Maybe it was continuing to let a woman live under a delusion, including that she's in love with a certain human that doesn't exist. I'm afraid you're all wrong. Damn. The OSHA violation in question is improper storage of livestock. For animal breeding, only the minimum amount of breeding animals is permitted in the same pen. Oh, and, and Pike was with those three women. Mm-hmm, Wait, exactly. are you calling women animals? Well, yes, we're all animals. Okay, Giuseppe, that's enough. What animals are you talking about? I don't remember any animals in that episode. The humans. Oh, 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 okay, okay. Yeah, yeah I guess that makes sense, right? The aliens were using humans for beasts of burden, basically. And so they were breeding livestock. It just so happens to be human in this case. I got some real problems with uh, the way you you define livestock, Giuseppe, but let's just keep going. You know what? You bring it up with the FDA and OSHA later on. Next up, Dagger of the Mind. Okay, what was that episode? Um, I think it was the one where Kirk goes to the, the planet. It's like a penal colony. <laughs> and that one guy is um, erasing people's minds. Oh, okay. My guess is someone was electrocuted to death, high voltage wires. So that's going to be my guess. What about you guys? Oh, I'm going to say I'm going to say improperly labeled uh, electrical panels. I'm going to say that in that famous um, electrocuting someone to death scene, they are not wearing the proper PPE or personal protective equipment, aka gloves and uh, eye glasses for a medical procedure. You are exactly right. They were not wearing insulated gloves while working on high-voltage equipment. Ah, 
Wow, good job, Emily. Eat it. But wait, a guy was electrocuted to death. Why isn't that a violation? We regulate safety and health, not death. It might be a violation, but it's not the purview of OSHA to say. Maybe that was just their culture on that planet. You fools. I worked for safety and health once. Okay, <laughs> the next episode is Where No Man Has Gone Before. Oh, this is the the pilot where uh, that, that Gary Mitchell guy gets uh, psychic powers, right? Oh, the one with the eyes. Their eyes turn silver. Yes. Oh, I know. I know this one. No sign for uh, to caution falling rocks when that mountain falls on that god. Oh, that, that's a good one. I'm going to say going through the barrier of the galaxy without proper shielding. I'm going to say that the uh, door to, uh, I don't know, some sort of engine room was not locked. I'm afraid the OSHA violation in question was not securing loose wires around newly telekinetic crew members. Oh, that's a bullshit one. Giuseppe. You're going to want to tape down your wires or use some kind of shallow sloped conduit for a more permanent solution. Well, that does make sense. Every time someone gains telekinetic powers, they go, they, they turn evil. So I guess you got to really watch your environment around those guys. It feels like some capricious demigod wrote these questions. Hmm. Capricious demigod. How, who does that sound like that we might know? I have no clue, but just... Keep playing the game, you animals. Well, if that's what you want to call the government, we'll continue. Um, the next episode in question is The Naked Time. Don't remember this episode at all. Oh, that's where they all get drunk, right? I think it's the one, yeah, where they got, it was the drunk disease that everyone yeah. that everyone got. Oh, oh, I know, I know, I know. It's, uh, uh um... It's a, a worker taking glove off Getting in a hazardous area. Oh, that's a good guess. I'm going to say accidentally going back in time. Corey was right. It was taking off PPE while surveying an unknown environment. That's actually a legitimate thing, though, because oh, that's man. how the whole episode starts. So I have one point and Emily has one point. Is there like something if we win? Uh, you'll all be receiving citations at the end of this. <laughs> But maybe I can reduce my citation with my points. Uh, on appeal, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> really jazzed about that appeal process. The next episode in question is Devil in the Dark. Oh, it's the one with Mama Meatloaf. Mama Meatloaf. I'm going to say it's only having one vital component for the uh, environment system. And if you don't have it, everyone will die. I'm going to say it's that the miners are not wearing helmets when they're in an underground mine. Hmm. I'm going to say um, Clint took mine. I don't got one. Well, what was it, Giuseppe? The OSHA violation is picking up biohazardous material known to have melted several personnel without PPE slash gloves. This is when Spock picks up a piece, right, of the mama meatloaf. Mm, I will say I said a helmet, which is PPE. But you did say that that was minors, and that is under the purview of Emshaw, not OSHA. All right, that's fair. I'll give you that. Okay, the next episode in question is Arena. This oh, is this the is one the one the Gorn, where, right? yeah, where Kirk fights the Gorn. I'm going to say um, it's exploding a, a nuclear grenade at the beginning of the episode. I'm going to say it's that Kirk is using uh, explosive weapons that are not correctly permitted uh, i'm gonna say disturbing the the natural flora and fauna of a planet without um 
like an archaeological permit. What do you think this is? The fishing game? Yeah, I might have to call them in. Uh, I'm afraid the OSHA violation was setting off an improvised explosive device while holding it. What should have happened was Kirk should have fashioned a stand to aim the device and stood behind a protective barrier. Mm. Yeah, that thing should have gone off in his, his hands. You, you're right. He should be like missing a couple digits after that fight. We'll let you have that one, OSHA inspector. I've seen it happen far too many times. <laughs> what? Really? You've seen people improvise explosive devices on the job and blow their fingers off? Yes, while fighting Gorn. What kind of workplaces are you going to? Uh, well, these planets the where they're fighting Gorn, it, it happens all the time. You'd be surprised. That's what I've said. The Gorn are showing up in all kinds of episodes, aren't they? Thank you, OSHA Inspector Giuseppe Antipasto. She thinks the Gorn show up in a lot of episodes, but they literally just show up in that one episode. <laughs> it's just been a bone. Don't worry about it, Giuseppe. I'm just telling you what I see on the job, not what I see on these episodes. Lots of people fighting Gorn, that's what I'm saying. Alright, the next violation was in the episode Court Martial. Oh, that's the one where yes. Kirk gets court martialed? Yeah, it's the one where he gets for, court martialed. In this one, he's framed for uh, killing a crewmate improperly, like ejecting a pod. Oh, wait. So I'm going to say the OSHA violation is ejecting a pod with someone in it. Go ahead, Emily. I think I know it. I think it's going to be uh, hiring a lawyer without first consulting Starfleet Council. I think it's improperly placed buttons on armrests on the captain's chair that eject personnel instead of uh, stopping the red alert. That seems far too logical. Bad UI is a problem. However, the OSHA violation is crewmen not at their post. Finney was hiding. That's not an OSHA violation. Uh, I'm afraid I'm looking at the violation right here. I mean, crew members not being at their post is a problem. Wait, 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 wait. Crew members not at their post. Crew members not doing what their boss says. Is this just a thinly veiled attempt for Clint to get mad at me and Corey for? I don't know what you're talking about. Let's just continue on with the. I'm never with the OSHA mandate a mandatory quiz that we we have to take. Okay, I, I took I took fifty dollars <laughs> for that one. I'll I'm gonna give that one back. Uh here you go, Clint. Thanks. Alright. Uh the next one is Space Seed. Ew, I hate that title so much. It's super gross. That's the one with Khan. Yeah, this is the one where I think I guess it's letting a genetically enhanced human take over your ship. Oh, I think it's being in too close of contact with your other bridge mates. Too small of a bridge. The Romulans were all crowded together like cattle. No, that's think... that was Balance of Terror. What space? Oh, Space Seed's the con one? Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm just going to go with the one I said. Okay. I think it's letting uh, Khan enter the engineering bridge without uh, a supervisor. The violation here is improper disposal of a weapon of ancient war. The human? What? Well, these were not humans. These were weapons of war that were sent back to the planet. Okay, well, this is the uh, second time you've al alluded to human beings as either objects or animals, so... Uh, these yeah. beings that were, you know, appeared to be human were classified by the government. 
as weapons of war. So I'm just going off of the government definition here. Sorry to give you a hard time, Giuseppe. You're just doing your job. I I see no problem with classifying humans as objects or livestock. So I don't know what you guys are so upset about. Mm, I object because Klingons do not like bureaucracy on principle. <laughs> All right. What's the, what's the next one? All right. The next violation comes from the alternative factor. Ugh. This is the one where the time traveler Lazarus is, I don't know, has a double and they're trying to kill each other. Two men wrestle forever. I'm going to say the violation is letting an intruder wander around the ship without supervision twice. I'm going to say opening an eternal corridor without any marked exit entrances. I'm going to say without any marked exit doors. I'm going to say flying a shuttlecraft and parking it without putting the uh, parking brake on. The violation in question was Lazarus not locking out and tagging out an electrical panel. What? That is dangerous. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess that does make sense. All right, Giuseppe, what's the next question? I've only got one more violation for you that I was able to find. All right, wh- what is it? It's from City on the Edge of Forever. So this is the one where McCoy goes back in time and Spock and Kirk go back in time to stop McCoy. But I guess McCoy is all whacked out on Cordrazine, which he accidentally sticks himself with. So I guess it's going to be that he accidentally needle sticks himself. Assassins! Thieves! Assassins! Mm, I mean, yes, it's that he didn't. Yeah, he should not have accidentally needled himself. Uh, in the in the lore of this show, I was dead during the recording of that episode, so I never saw it. Okay. Uh, the shot itself is intended to be a subcutaneous injection to the abdomen by a medical professional, so there were no issues there. The OSHA violation was that a crew member was operating the transporter on themselves. Oh, you're oh. not supposed to do that. It happens all the time. I guess it's not kosher with OSHA. Oh my god. You wrote this entire skit just so that you could make the kosher with OSHA bit, didn't you? No, I just came up with it. <laughs> I've been up all night thinking of it. Well, hey, uh, Giuseppe, I think we've all learned a little bit about safety, and we've learned a little bit about ourselves. We have. I haven't learned anything about myself. I'm going to re- forget this on purpose. Well, well Giuseppe Antipasto... Thank you for coming on the show and teaching us a little bit about Starship Operation Safety. You're very welcome. And I just wanted to note that in 2019, 5,333 workers died on the job. And by the 23rd century, I only expect that number to go up. Well, that got real. What a random date, but... (laughs) All right, so I'll just let myself out this way. Yeah, yeah, just down those stairs there. Okay. Oh, wait, there's no handrails. Ah! Oof. Oh, God, he's dead. Well, the upside is that he can't report any of these now. Let's just go ahead and grab that manila folder off that body, and we are good. Down, 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 down.